0: Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. you were here last Sunday, you, you would have heard the testimonies of the five people, two in the first service and three in the second service, but we're just so encouraging these people publicly declaring their faith in Jesus and I know that all of them were really really amazing testimonies but man have you heard of the testimony of dunya were you here no oh you've got to listen to it and grab hold of that it was it was fantastic and last week we also commenced a new series that will take us through to Christmas on who is Jesus really a very very important question and Nick, our senior pastor, introduced our series last Sunday uh, by talking about Jesus is Lord and alerting us to the very fact that our life and our faith really hangs on this statement. Whether or not Jesus is Lord over our lives. And I think the answer to that question, whether He is or not, would be very telling of our faith journey. So this morning I will be continuing on our series, and this morning I'll be talking about Jesus is Cornerstone. Yeah. Jesus is Cornerstone. We sang about that, we heard about that so many times. And this morning we're going to unpack that a little bit. But I just want to share with you a story. When, when I recall back in 2008, when Janella, I, and I were, were building our house in Melbourne, and that was our first home. Everything was so exciting when the slab was poured out on the block of our land. Do we have that photo, Yes, it was very exciting. We couldn't sleep when the builder said to us, the the slab has been poured. I was like, let's go there. 6 a.m. we were there. We were capturing and walking as if and imagining where's the kitchen, where's the kitchen and all that. And it was very exciting. And you see, in in modern day buildings, slab really is just one of the foundations of houses that that builders use. But you see, there is a very important element on the slab. It has to be strong, it has to be solid, it has to be able to carry all that weight bearing load that you put on top of it. For example, like this one, the frame stage, for example. As the builders go up, do we have that? And, then, and as the frame stage. So the slab, in fact, the consistency of the concrete has to be very perfect. It has to be strong, it has to be solid. Because they're going to put whatever it is on top of it. And it has to be very strong. Able to carry the load on top of it. Just keep moving that one in. Thank you. That, because you're going to put a lot of that. The frame and then the roof and everything else, the bricks and all that. So the slab really carries so much weight of the building structure. In a similar way, when we talk about Jesus as the cornerstone, we're really talking about Jesus as the foundation of our lives. It is the rock upon which the weight of the entire structure of our lives rests. It is the cornerstone. And the Bible describes Jesus as the chief cornerstone of our faith. Amen. Jesus ensures the stability of our faith and our salvation because of the fact that He is the cornerstone. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, our text is found in 2nd, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'll be reading from verses 4 to 10. And we're going to unpack those, that passage this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through to 10. It says here, As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scriptures it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble on a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May the Lord bless His word. This morning. Just to give you a little bit of background of this text, Peter was actually writing to a group of believers in the different provinces of Asia Minor who were being pushed out of their own country because of persecution. These believers were being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And when Peter penned this letter and wrote this letter to the believers in those different provinces of Asia Minor, his purpose was really to encourage them in the midst of what they were going through. Because the reality of the persecution was so hard. It was very difficult for those believers. And Peter just kind of compelled by God felt to encourage them, to send them this letter, to assure them that there is a far greater hope, that we can cling to someone who is trustworthy, that we can actually rest our faith, not in the experiences and the circumstances that we go through in life, but beyond and above that. And that is Jesus as the cornerstone. Because sometimes it's so easy to actually allow our experiences to affect our own faith journey. Amen. And it's normal, it's natural. And so Jesus become, becomes the focal point in this letter, encouraging the people in the way that they should live and order their lives. What Peter is trying to encourage them was to persevere, was to have the endurance, to be able to go through the sufferings that they are going through, that they were going through. You see, whether you like it or not, persecution, tribulation, difficulties challenges will come our way whether we like it or not in fact if we really think about it and count the number of difficulties that that we have experienced especially for those of you who have lived long enough you would understand that we all go through life's challenges difficulties some of them you can qualify as persecution in those circumstances when those difficulties knock on your door Many people crumble. Many people crumble. Why? Because it's too high. While others rise to the occasion. When those circumstances come and happen to us, often more questions arise and prayers subside. Confusion reigns while contentment wanes away. That's just a fact of life. And for most of us, we're probably in, the in between, you know. We're not, we're not the kind of people that kind of like give up. But we're just kind of like really hanging by a thread, for example. And, and I've, I've had those share of circumstances. But you see, the question is is this. How do we react when suffering comes? How do we respond when suffering comes? Peter's encouragement to the believers at that time, is one of perseverance of faith. It isn't enough to simply get up in the morning and, and face the day as if everything is okay. It's not enough to face up the day and, and put a fake smile on your face. No, we've got to be realistic people, isn't it? But you see, the way we face our circumstances, the way we face the day is very important. Very, very important. Where are we getting our sense of strength and our sense of security? Recognizing that there will be troubles that will come our way. So this morning, let's unpack a little bit on this passage. And the Lord just really led me on there's three things, three aspects and three main points. That when we seriously consider Jesus as cornerstone, Number one, it means that He is the foundation of our faith. Peter describes Jesus here as living stone. Living, not dead. By nature, in comparison to trees and animals that are living things, including people, stone are not living material. They're considered as inanimate objects. You can have a different view on this, but generally speaking, stones are dead. There's no vague blood going through the stone. No, it's just dead. But here Peter describes Jesus as the living stone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing more secure than that. Jesus is not or was not dead stone. He's described as the living stone. By virtue of his death and his resurrection, God or Peter is able to declare that Jesus our Savior is the living stone through his resurrection. And the Christian faith Rest on this living stone, the resurrected Jesus. For over two thousand years, scholars, intelligent, smart people have been trying to debunk and discredit the resurrection. Not one person to this day, twenty twenty one, was and is able to debunk the resurrection. Amen. Amen. I remember uh, John Dixon, you know, the New Testament professor, Australian. He, he tweeted, he said, I will eat the entire New Testament if someone can prove to me that it is not true. I, I, so he said, I will eat a page of the New Testament. And all these scholars around the world were responding, and I think he said there were like 50,000 responses to his tweet, and not one, not one was able to disprove that the New Testament is not true. Isn't it incredible? Another another aspect of Jesus as the foundation of our faith is because He's been chosen by God. He is the only plan of salvation. In fact, Nick alerted, alerted that to us last week. That salvation is found in no one else. Because there is no other name that's been given in heaven and on earth for which man will be saved. And that name is Jesus. And God chose Jesus. God chose to send His Son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave, that He sent His one and only Son. He made that choice to send His only Son to save humanity. He was chosen by God. It wasn't like a random thought of God the Father and say, Mm, I might send Jesus. No, it wasn't like that. He was part of the plan. It was prophesied. And when the right time came, the very chosen Son of God became human. God incarnate. Because he was chosen by God. There's nothing more trustworthy and reliable than that to base our faith on. Third is that Jesus was and is precious to God. You see, the, the Greek word uh, precious in Greek basically means tinius, which means a set of Set an estimate, of, estimate on something. And then the, the noun and adjective form of that means honor, respect, reverence, worthy objects or people being precious or dearly or, or dear or costly. And in the New Testament, Timius, which is precious, is basically described in two ways. Costly and highly esteemed or regarded. And that is Jesus, the precious Son of God, came. To become the very foundation of our faith. He was precious to God. And Peter went on to say four precious things in the book of, in his writing in 1 Peter. The first one, Peter describes the promises of God through his word are precious in 2 Peter 1 verse 4. You see, you can Google what is the most read book in the world. I'll show you something. Ed, can we have that? The Bible. 3.9 billion copies have been printed and still counting. Quotes from the works of Mao. Only 820 million from a nation who is one-third of humanity. And you can keep going on and on to the next slide, Ed. Harry Potter is there. Uh, Lord of the Rings is there, Da Vinci, Twilight Saga, Gone with the Wind, Think and Grow Rich, Only 30 Million, Diary of Anne Frank, 27. But the Bible stands to this day as the most read book in the world. No matter how much people say this is antiquated, this is historical, this has no power, it's irrelevant to our society, and yet it is still the number one most read book in the world. Hallelujah! (laughs) That's why Peter says the Word and the promises of God through His Word is very precious. Our faith is precious. The Son of God is precious. The blood of Jesus is precious. And then finally we can talk about the cornerstone being the foundation of our faith. You see, the word cornerstone is basically an ancient architectural term that builders use. When they build a structure, a house, a building or anything like that, they would then go and search for a stone that will become a cornerstone of a building. It is carefully it, it's carefully chosen. It has to be strong. It has to be solid. It has to be big enough to be able to hold whatever it is that they build on top. And when they lay that cornerstone, that cornerstone becomes a point of reference as they progress As they lay bricks from this side all the way, and builders always check whether they are still in line to the cornerstone. And whatever they put on top of it, they make sure that it is strong enough that the cornerstone can hold the entire structure of the building. Now, in our modern day building structure, especially the high rise, builders will tell you that the higher your structure, the deeper your foundation. The higher you go, you know, 20-story, 30-story, a 10-story building will have a slightly shallow foundation in comparison to a 100-story building. In fact, so that's the truth, that the higher the building structure, the deeper that foundation. And you've probably seen that around our city, that, you know, when they lay these big, solid beams of structure, they just keep pushing Pushing all the way to the ground. Because what are they building there? Oh, there's another 20-story building that's going to go up there soon. And yet they really take the time to build. That is what Jesus is or who Jesus is in our lives. And He should be the cornerstone in our lives where we make Him as the point of reference in which when we live and order our lives, that we make sure that our lives are aligned to, to, the, to the teachings, to the truth, to the values of Jesus. Amen? Amen. That is what it means by Jesus as the chief cornerstone of our faith. The second, when we consider Jesus as a cornerstone, it means that He is the foundation of our identity. Hallelujah. That He is the foundation of our identity. In our text, we can read at least four phrases of You Are declarations by Peter. Peter said, you are living stone in the same way. You are chosen people. You are a holy priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. And if you continue to search the entire Bible, both in Old and New Testament, you can actually find at least 77 you are declaration statements from the Word of God in terms of who we really are before Him someone. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are precious. You are no longer condemned. You are a child of God. You are set free. You are free from fear, shame and condemnation. You are blessed. You are alive in Christ. You are an heir. You are an ambassador. You are a citizen of heaven. You were created in the image of God. You are a new creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I can keep going on and on of these you are statements. But you see, we need to grab hold of that, that this you are statement that God declares in His Word is who we are according to Him as our Creator, yes. as the very being who gives life to us. Yes. Amen? Yes. And so there's not no other being that is strong enough, that is reliable enough, that we can base our identity from as the basis of our foundation. Jesus being the cornerstone. Now I am sure that many of you would agree with me that social media with all its merits, positive advantages, has also created a very distorted view of our sense of self and identity. People between the age of 16 and 35, hear me out. Raise your hand if you are between 16 and 35, the highest users of social media. And here are just some of the negative impact and effect of social media. Inadequacy about your life or appearance. FOMO, fear of missing out, cyberbullying, self absorption. Oh, it's all about me. People use social media as a security blanket, unrealistic expectations, negative body image, unhealthy sleep patterns, and overall general addiction. And if we're not careful to decipher where we get our sense of identity from, we could be sucked in from the view of the world and other people and allowing the voices of people and the world and social media and the clicks and the likes to define who you are rather than listening to the you are declaration from the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And that's why... People dying, prepared to die just to take selfies. Can you imagine? 93 million selfies are taken every day, and people go risky places to take them just so they can have more likes. Oh, yeah, I just posted something, you know, something like that, and then it boosts their sense of self, which is really what I call a distorted view. Of oneself, because we are getting our sense of identity and affirmation from people's feedback through our social platform, and yet the Bible is very clear: we need to allow the truth from the Word of God to define who we are Amen. as people. Yes. Now, I've traveled different countries in the world, probably not as much as Chris Brown, our speaker, during Missions Expo, but. When people meet me for the first time, they go, where are you from? And they go, I don't say straight away, I just say, have a guess. Because I love the game. Just, oh. From Burma, you know, from Malaysia, from Indonesia, from Laos, you know, and all this. And, and they never mention Philippines. It's like, where have you traveled? Like, you, know, you haven't been out of the country, obviously. But when I say to them, I'm from the Philippines, go, oh, I knew it. Okay. You've been guessing the wrong countries, man. The funny thing was, when I was in Canada, I was living there for a while, when I was studying, I had a long hair, like this wavy long hair. I might not show you a photo one day, when it's appropriate to the message, but anyway, they thought I was American Indian. Can you see that? Can you picture that? If I had long hair, they thought that I was a Native American Indian in Canada. And I was like, no way! And then I went to a Native American Indian festival, and they go, oh, those could be my cousins. <laughs> oh my God. It was like, oh yeah, that's true. I look like one of them, you know. It is exciting, but you see, it's hard when you always get mistaken identity. It's hard. It's hard. But did I allow that to affect my sense of self? No. I know who I am in God. Yes. I know who I am in, in God. <coughs> like nonsense of this racial fluidity. If I say, actually, I'm not Asian. I'm actually Caucasian. That's how I feel today. You know, all these fluidity, theory, ideologies. Like, you can just be who you are, what you like, and I go, Actually, people, I am not Asian. I am Caucasian. <laughs> Do you think you would believe me? But that's what I feel. That's how I feel. No. But you see, more than that, as followers of Jesus, Peter was trying to address these people because they're pushed out of their countries. So maybe they've lost their identity. They've lost their home. They're not part of their village. You know, they just lost everything. And Peter wanted to capture once again who they really are as a people. And Peter said to them, you are the living stone that God is building. You are a holy nation. You are precious. You are special. God's special possession. He wanted to reaffirm their sense of identity. And this morning I'd like to encourage all of us. That if our sense of identity and our sense of self is really distorted, broken, affected. Let me tell you, I have goodness for you from the word of God. You are not that. You are more than that. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. Let's allow that to sink in. Yes. That is our sense of identity. And I tell you, once you settle that once and for all within yourself, no matter what the people say, oh, you're from Burma, Malaysia, whatever it is, oh you're just this Asian, you know, like this, and whatever they say, it doesn't affect me anymore. Why? Because I know who I am Amen. in God. Amen. Yes. third and final thing is this, that Jesus being our cornerstone, that He is the foundation of our purpose. He is the foundation of our purpose. It's very important for us to understand our sense of purpose. And first of all, it says, so that, so that, that is a purpose there, so that. You have been saved, you've been becoming a living stone and God saved you and gave you this life so that, and the first so that is this, so that you may declare His praises. You may declare His praises. Mm. Uh, Tim Keller was basically saying that if we really seriously consider everything that we go through in life that's hard and difficult and surrender it before the Lord, at the end of it, it will always end in praise. Why? Because God will just come through. God will just be there. Walk with us, journey with us. That is the very purpose. So that you will declare His praises and make God famous. And the second purpose is that, so that you may shine your light in the darkness. You know, the people that were being pushed out of the country and nation and villages and all that, they were in the midst of a dark world. People who don't believe in God. People persecuted them because of their faith. And Peter was encouraging them to shine their light in the darkness. there is no denying that we are living in a dark world in need of light but sometimes as Christians we are so busy pushing darkness away instead of being busy showing light. you see the thing is it is very liberating when you show light darkness will just automatically disappear if we turn off the light of this entire building now and I light a candle darkness will disappear that is what Peter was saying shine your light in the darkness. Matthew four, sorry, five, verse fourteen says, "You are the light of the world. A city, a city on a hill cannot be hidden." The question this morning is that: In what ways are we showing our light to others? Ephesians five, verse eight: For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Another purpose that we have is this live as people of God. You know, living as people of God means to live in obedience to Him. To live in obedience to Him. Because one of the marks of the Christian faith is not biblical knowledge. But it is biblical obedience. You can have all the knowledge in the world where I can describe it as a spiritual constipation. You have so much knowledge, you're almost constipated. You cannot... Just, if you're not using it, if you're not being obedient to the Lord, that's a big question. Why? Because the greatest marks of a Christian is not knowledge. It is obedience. And Jesus is our example of that. And the next one is that if we are to show mercy to others. We are to show mercy to others. Romans 2 verse 4 says, or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And you see, God's kindness is synonymous to mercy that we are we are supposed to show and demonstrate to others. What a beautiful picture of that, that God's kindness and mercy leads us, draws us. To repentance so that we can actually confess our sin and leave our life of sin and guilt and shame. And walk into the mercy and the kindness of God and receive this beautiful gift of salvation. And the Bible is asking us, one of your purpose is to show mercy. Is to show kindness and demonstrate kindness. You see, a new Red Cross survey reveals... This is Australia survey, that nearly 9 out of 10 Australians believe that we should be more kind to each other every day. They believe they are open, that we should be more kind to each other every day. And I think the pandemic has really proven that. The survey also finds that 9 out of 10 Australians believe that we would be a better place if one person did just one kind thing to another. Australia would be a much better place. Why don't we start with that? Just do one kind thing to another human being. That is the very purpose. You know, sometimes when Peter was addressing the group of believers, because there was a sense of maybe they were getting preoccupied with their own difficulties through the persecution and the tribulation that they went through, that they can no longer think outside of their own circumstances. And sometimes life is like that. You know, it's so busy, it's very hard, it's very difficult. I can't even think of doing a kind deed to another person. But that is the call and the challenge that we have this morning from Peter. That we are to show mercy to others. So this morning, regardless of what you believe, Jesus is still the cornerstone that God set as the only way to salvation. And when we talk about Jesus as the cornerstone, it really means... That He is the foundation of our faith. That He is the foundation of our identity. And that He is the foundation of our purpose. Jesus. Now John Piper said this. You get one pass of life. That's all. Only one. There's no second chance. And the lasting measure of that life is Jesus Christ. (laughs) Not our achievements. Not our wealth. Not our possessions. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, we thank you Lord for, for your word and we thank you Lord for Peter's encouragement to us this morning. We thank you for his letter Lord just encouraging the people to hold on to persevere, to endure With whatever it is that they are going through. And Father, our our version of persecution may look different in our context right now. In our world right now. But nevertheless, we pray, Lord, for strength. We pray for perseverance. We pray for extra measure of strength that comes from you your word says that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so Father, when we are weak, I pray that you will make us strong. When we are discouraged, Lord, I pray that you will lift us up and encourage us through your Holy Spirit. When we are broken, I pray, Lord, that you will make us whole. And Father, this morning I just feel to pray for my brothers and sisters who are going through some form of identity crisis in their lives as to who they are. They have listened too much to the voices of the world, or maybe even voices coming from within themselves about who they are. In the name of Jesus, this morning, I want to declare to those people that you are a child of God, that you are. The sons and the daughters of the Most High God. The God who created the universe that we see and enjoy. The earth that we enjoy. The God that gives you life, strength and every breath every single day. Wants to say to you today. You are special. You are precious. You are mine. You are my child. Father, we thank you that Jesus being our cornerstone Lord that we can trust in him he is trustworthy, he is reliable He's solid strong able to carry the weight and the burden of our lives so I pray this morning that we will lay all those burdens on that very foundation in Jesus name Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.